Hey friends, this is a double feature today. We are over on Right Side Up Community, so welcome Right Siders. Over on Facebook, we're also on Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. If you're listening to the podcast and haven't checked out our community, go ahead over there. We know Facebook is a bad scene with a lot of polarization, a lot of insults, maybe people insulting your friends on your own wall. Well, we're not going to let that happen in the Right Side Up community. It's a place to continue to live right side up in this upside down world, to talk about health and any of the issues that we are facing right now as kingdom leaders. Today, I talked to Sarah Zylstra, and Sarah is a writer, and she's the co-writer of the book Gospel Bound, which actually releases today. So literally is being birthed into the world today. And that book talks about both the challenges and the joys of living in the kingdom of God, some beautiful stories, but also she talks about the anxiety of this unchanging faith rubbing against these changing times and how we live well, how we live faithfully in the middle. We talk a little bit about the challenges and uh, some would even say persecutions. Uh, today, uh, people who are following Jesus, but also some of the opportunities at the same time. Challenging and inspiring. Guys, we're in this series where we're interviewing female leaders only for a time on the podcast. We're talking about the joys and challenges of female leadership. Sarah also shares on that. So before we get going, we just want to remind you that we help leaders to get healthy and reach more impact at Stay Forth Designs. I mean, that is at the core and the heart of all of everything that we do. Seriously, every podcast, every leader that we get to coach, we often lead leaders through 10 tools in 10 sessions and watch them in the course of those 15 hours of coaching grow and learn and experience freedom. We also have experiences to help leaders replenish. We have some of those coming up in Colorado. We have a co-ed experience this summer in Colorado and a female's experience. Our other experiences, unfortunately, are filled up, but would love for you to come and replenish with us on one of those experiences. But guys, we're going to continue to share this message that you can live and lead right side up in this upside down world. Maybe it seems crazy what we've been through the last year. Maybe for you, a lot of your life has hit the fan. Maybe it has challenged you as a leader. Maybe you feel like you're leading better healthier, more grounded than you were a year ago, wherever you find yourself, I think these conversations are going to be life-giving to you, whether you're over on Right Side of Community or whether you are on Right Side of Leadership Podcast. We want to welcome you to this message, this interview in the Joys and Challenges of Female Leaders series, my interview with author, writer, mom, and just overall amazing human, Sarah Zylstra. Well, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I love being here. Congratulations. Uh, today's actually launch day of the book that you co-authored along with Colin Hansen. And uh, we're excited to kind of explore that. Gospel Bound uh, is the title that. What led you up to uh, writing this book? Oh, it's been sort of a, a long time. And I would say most of the work on it, we didn't even know we were doing. So I started writing for Colin at the Gospel Coalition maybe four years ago. And he said to me, let's find stories of where God is at work in the world and you can report on them sort of like you're reporting on God. Now, obviously God is at work everywhere all the time. So it's not like we we're going to say everything God has ever done. Um, but we wanted to find just like a newspaper reporter would like find a big story, find those big stories where God was really at work to encourage people in that way. 
Yes. So I, yeah, it's fun. I have been doing that for about four years. And then Colin, as he was reading through Romans and thinking about this anxious time that we live in, um, and you can see in Romans as you read through, and the book draws this out as well, but there's just some really simple things um, that Paul is writing to a church that is in the margins. Um, live with honor, care for the weak, um, wait, wait for the future, enjoy, uh, love your enemies, give away your freedom, just all those basic themes. And he's like, what if we could lay those out with examples? Oh, we already have examples because if you're living as a Christian, you're living these things. So it was easy for us. We gave each one of those instructions a chapter, and then we filled it up with stories of people who were actually doing, already doing those things. Like, Hey, this isn't crazy your neighbors are doing this. You can do it too. Yeah. What is, what is it about stories that just kind of disarms us and draws us in? What, what is that, Sarah? I think it's because we live in a story like our whole, if you remember seventh grade, when it's like, you remember that line where it's like, here's the setting and then you get the conflict and then the rising action. And then, you know, the resolution, the climax, and then the resolution at the end, we literally live like God created us and then there was the fall and then there was all those years of the, you know, rising action. Jesus on the cross was our climax. And now we live in that resolution part. So I think there's a reason that every story we tell a is compelling and B follows that exact same line. It's mm. like, we're just in God every time we tell a story. Yeah. And so I've noticed Sarah that right now stories are electric. I, I just think mm. that we've heard so much information and we talk at Stay Forth about being overloaded or overwhelmed with information and yet hungry for relationships and encounters. We're lonely coming out of the last year. And, uh, you know, as we record this, it's, you know, like sort of a year since the world kind of fell apart and, and turns upside down in many ways and revealed a lot of our dysfunction and unhealth. And and we're coming out of that. We're, we're heading into the next season. And I think a lot of our stories will truly save us in terms of like having hope, like, yes, good things are happening. It isn't all polarized. So I'm just so excited to read this book. And I love stories of followers of Jesus faithfully living this out. Are there a couple that, you know, you can kind of give us an overview of that really kind of grab your heart and attention? Yeah. One, I tell this one a lot. There's a girl named Rochelle Starr who lives in Louisville, Kentucky. And a couple of years ago, gosh, it's probably been like 10 years ago now, as she was a marketing manager and as she's on her way to work, she drives by a sign for a strip club she, every day she does. And she just feels more and more of a burden on her heart for this place. And so she said to her husband, I think I want to work with the girls at that strip club. And her husband said, well, that's what Jesus would do. And so um, here's what she did. She didn't come up with a plan. She didn't even walk in the door. She took some friends and they sat they would go sit outside the strip club and pray. And I think they did this twice a week, like Tuesday and Thursday for a year, for a year. That's all they did is they would just go and pray over and over again. Nothing happening. Doesn't look like anything's changing. She's just praying. So after a year, she feels like, okay, I think God's prompting me to go in. So she went inside and said, I'm here. I'm a Christian. I want to do something kind and loving for the women here. And of course, at first they're like, what are you doing here? No Christian wants to come in here unless they're going to pick at us and, you know, get out. Um, but eventually they let her and she was able to break. She all, she didn't have a big plan. She just brought in one meal and she got some girls from church to help her. And so they made a meal and then, and she said at first the, the girl, the dancers didn't even want to eat it. They were worried it was poisoned. Wow. And so then they brought 
then they said, well, can we come back next week? Well, okay. And she said, it took months of us doing that before the dancers would feel comfortable enough to start sharing, but you show up often enough and you become someone's friend. And so then they were sharing, okay, um, I don't have any money. Um, I'm, I'm living, you know, on the street or in my car or gosh, I, you know, I always wanted to go to culinary school, but I never could, or my mom kicked me out or all the stories. And once you hear that, it's not too hard to be like, I have some things you can have, or like I could help raise some money for you to go to school. Mm. So one by one, they just start pulling these girls out until her, her organization, which is called Scarlet Hope is now there. She's has a presence in every one of Louisville's like 23 or 24 um, stripper clubs. She said they, they have rescued over 600 women from the sex industry. She opened a bakery to give them something like, Hey, since you can't strip anymore, how about do this for a job? Instead, you can make cupcakes. Um, she has conferences to help people in other cities who are also trying to do it. It has just ballooned out, but I love that story because it's, it's gorgeous. It's also real because she said for every girl that we help out five more walk in. Mm. So in some ways it can feel discouraging and that's just real. Like we just live in a broken world, but you brought that girl out and God put you here. So it's good. Well, I mean, we, we need those stories. I mean, that's, for us courage to say, yeah, you, you can do that even without a plan. Like you could sit and pray and maybe it doesn't have the end of the story that she has. That's so beautiful. Um, talk about anxiety. I mean, lowercase a anxiety, uppercase a anxiety. Um, you know, you could go see someone for, see a therapist for and get meds for. We all have this underlying low grade, at least anxiety is bubbling. Uh, in our culture. And you say that really a lot of that has to do with the collision of this unchanging faith and these changing times. Tell us more. Yeah. I want to go back for one second and say, you wouldn't believe how many stories start with, I just started praying like Mm -hmm. in a regular purposeful way. Tons and tons of stuff comes out of that. Okay. Dangerous thing, right? Just oh, it is. Just if you start praying and you're like, I'm going to pray every week for that with my friend, um, watch out. That's, that's the trouble right there. Um, so yes, I think that's true. We have a faith we know. So, so America is increasingly uncomfortable for Christians and this is just real. We know this is true because we live in a culture that's mo- like, look at the equality act. We're just moving farther away um, from where faith used to be what Tim Keller would call thick, like 30 years ago, you could, or longer, you could bring someone to a Billy Graham conference and they did, you'd go to a crusade in a church bus, like a church bus would roll into your neighborhood and round everybody up and bring you over there and you would get converted. It wasn't crazy because you already knew the story. Like there was so much Christianity in the air that you breathed that you already sort of knew it. He was just calling you into believing him. That would never work now. Um, We are much farther away from even that beginning point of like, what even is Christianity? Maybe all I know about it is it feels like it's homophobic and bigoted and not something I don't want to have anything to do with. So you have to work a little harder even to get to that beginning point. So we, we as Christians know that we feel it. The problem isn't, you know, that our faith is wrong. Um, we know it's good and true and beautiful. And the problem isn't that there's sin in the world. We know that's true. The Bible tells us that we experience that all the time. It's just that it's what's changing is where we rub against our culture. Like the people who used to Christianity used to be respected. Pastors used to be listened to community leaders. And now that's just shifted. So I think we're feeling that pinch. What Colin and I are saying is that's not something you need to worry about because the church from the beginning has been in the margins. 
throughout most of history, throughout most of the world, she's always been in the margins. So it's not like we don't know what to do there. There's lots and lots of precedent for that. Mm, Yeah. Talk a little bit more about um, the margins. What are some of the areas you're seeing more and more? Because I absolutely resonate and listeners absolutely resonate. What are some of the ways that you feel like the church is being pushed more into the margins? Um, I would say, and this is maybe the first one, is um, in universities and academia, um, and I think a lot dribbles down from that. Um, I think you can see more and more, oh, and maybe it's partly due to our affluence too. Like, why would I need Jesus when I have a nice car and a good education and a good job? Um, but then I, I think then we do need to worship something we're built to worship. So maybe we're worshiping, we see this a lot like politics. If we could just get the right leader, if we could just get the right policies, then everything would be perfect. Um, if we could just get the right house and the right husband, everything would be perfect. Like the theme is always the same. We're always reaching for heaven. Um, but when we're reaching for it on our own, it's just empty and, and it doesn't work. Mm. Talk about thinking big and thinking small at the same time. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I love that. Um, So I think, you know, when you're watching the news, that's sort of thinking medium, right? Like, oh gosh, there's a pandemic and there's economic instability and my church is a mess and, you know, all churches are a mess. And it just feels like that's sort of the soup of like, oh, that feels bad to think about that. Um, But there's a couple things you can do to combat that anxiety. And one is to think really big, like God's promises that this giant trajectory we're on, this story that we're living in, um, the ending of it is going to be in heaven. That's where we want to be. Like we're getting to the new creation. So when you go to the scripture and look at God's promises and, and remember that he's in control and that you're a character in a much bigger story, you're not the author. You don't have to try and get to someplace. That's not, that's totally out of your control. You're trying to do something that's not your job. So I think that's one way, just letting go and thinking really big. And then also thinking really small. And this is fascinating. But studies show um, that when you feel, lots of people feel anxious about the national government, but very fewer feel anxious about like their local government or their, you know, local city, their, the way their neighborhood is running or the, their local school board. Um, they might feel anxious about education overall, but they don't feel anxious about their kid's classroom, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. feel anxious about political parties, but you don't feel anxious about your niece who might vote for a different party than you. So like, once you take those big things and bring them down really small, it loses all of its anxiety. It's just like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. I know that person. I can talk to her or like, I don't, you know, so yeah, it's good. if you can pull that all the way down, not only does that lift your anxiety, it also gives you something to do. Like you can care for that person who's unexpectedly pregnant. You don't have to like take down the whole abortion industry, but you could care for one single mom or you could volunteer at your church or you could help your neighbor with his car. Like those are all things you can do. And I also think when you're doing something that helps you to feel less anxious too. Yeah. And go a little bit further on that. Um, why do we, what is, what is it about human nature that we tend to focus on the bad, right? We've heard stories and unfortunately scandals and, and things that are, are real and they're bad and they're hard. We also have had so much bad news in our world trickling. It feels like every week, for the last year and then beyond that, the last five years, what is it about human nature, Sarah, that we're so drawn to the bad and we forget actually some beautiful and good things are happening? That is the exact right question, Ellen, because lots of times people will say, why are the news media always reporting on the bad news? 
And the reason is, of course, because people are clicking on it because news is a <laughs> business. And there is literally a reaction. They have done studies like you can, when you're reading good news, you have the same physical reaction as when you're looking at a, a screen full of static. Um, but when you read bad news, that's when your fight or flight kicks in and your heart starts beating faster and you want to know more um, and you're clicking in and reading the stories. So there's literally something physical about us that responds differently to bad news. And I don't know, Colin and I were talking about this and I do not know if it is, did God create us like that? Is it, are we twisted that way because of the fall? Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but there is definitely something different in us that draws us to that negative news. Yeah. And at the same time, we're longing for beautiful stories to be part yeah. of. And yet if we don't find them, then we're going to be magnetized, I think, back to that negativity. And what I love about this book and, and this message, and one reason I'm excited to read it is because we have never needed good stories more than we do right now. I mean, beautiful stories to say it's possible. You can do this. We've served neighborhood in our, or coffee in our neighborhood, mediocre coffee with great pe people for about 10 years uh, on the corner. And, uh, and it was just literally, a, we had a teacher at the school and she would try to call the local news to come out and, and see what we were doing. And we're just, you know, it wasn't huge. We're just with 20 or 25 people drinking coffee on yeah. the corner. Uh, and, and she could not. Now, finally, they came out probably just to appease this teacher. Like, Stop <laughs> calling us. But it just is not that exciting um, to us deep down, even though we long to be part of that. And so I like that you guys are juxtaposing really those two things um, together. And you are a writer, uh, also a mom. You have a lot of tensions in your life. Um, you happen to be a female as well, and we are email, uh, emailing, we are interviewing uh, female leaders here. Yeah, we're in this series talking about the joys and challenges of female leadership. And so you lead and you also are a professional writer. So talk about some of the challenges that you faced in both being a female leader and a writer during your career. That is a good question. I feel like God has been so gracious to me because um, almost all of the things I have I have done in writing have been I've been able to do from home, which is a huge gift as a mom. Now it's also a giant pain because you're trying to write around your kids and make phone oh, calls yeah. around your kids, which is not easy or That's fun. Real. It's real. It's real. But I but God has always provided you know provided for that. And I, one of the things I was just thinking about, even in the last year, even the last couple of months is like, if I can come small again and just look at, boy, this is what, this is the way God provided. I was thinking if God could provide, provide big things, could he provide a pocket of time for me to write? Could he provide dinner tonight? Like an idea and the time to make it. And he can, and he does. So if you can bring yourself even down to a daily basis of like, here's what God provided today, that builds your strength more than almost anything else of your faith to be like, maybe God will provide again tomorrow. Then when he does, you can be like, maybe God will provide again. And then he does. And so there, it's just a cycle of building as God, I've just seen God provide tremendously over the years, but you're right. It's not, it's not easy, but I don't want to say that, you know, my husband's hasn't had an easy path either. So I don't know that it's a uniquely female problem. Sure. Do you feel like you've had to work harder uh, than other writers who are male to get some of the same opportunities? Oh, that is such a good question. I don't think, so I don't feel like journalism is um, a biased field. There are a lot of girls in journalism. In fact, I think in my um, graduate school class, there are more girls than boys. So I don't think my field is, 
is anti-women, not anti-women, that's not right, but I, there, it's not like engineering or someplace where you would feel like there'd be more of a male bias. I do think it's very, it was a lot easier for my male colleagues to take opportunities to move up or to travel or to do those kind of things. But I don't, um, I don't begrudge them that because I was, you know, I got to stay home with my kids. So, you know, there's trade-offs to Mm -hmm. like, I could have been traveling. It's true. I was home holding a baby. So that was pretty good too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, talk about the, the joys of being a female leader. Uh, there are some opportunities that are opening up, uh, to females that maybe were less available, uh, maybe harder and maybe had to like sort of create some elbow room for, you know, 10, 20, 30, certainly 50 years ago. Um, what are some of the opportunities or the joys you see for, for female leaders now, and maybe hopefully in the next 10 years? Yeah, I think that's true. I think that, that, I think the, um, pushback against women in a lot of fields is, is smaller. Um, that doesn't mean the demands are any harder. So probably the tricky part is going to be that childcare and stuff. Um, the joy of that is, is that they would be able to use God's, the gifts that God gave them. And I think another joy is in the, uh, I think more and more men specifically husbands, but maybe also bosses are realizing the mental load that comes from carrying your family's budget and schedule and laundry and dinner and all of that. Um, I do think like my husband and I try and split that as evenly as we can. So I think, I don't know that would have happened for say my mom or my grandma. So I do think that that's Mm. something that's changing in a really good way. And that's been, that's been full of joy. And it's just joyful to see women who are using gifts that are good, that God has given them in a really world changing way. So you've written uh, for a long time now, and you have co-authored this book, Gospel Bound. There are some folks listening, but especially ladies listening, who have a dream of writing a book. They may not be the professional writer that you are ongoing every week, writing columns and whatnot, but they have a dream of writing a book. Speak some life and encouragement into that woman with a message on her heart who has a dream of writing a book. Oh, that's good. Um, that's good. I think all the records that we can get, like, you know, of what God is doing or in their lives or what they've experienced is good. Um, I would say that first, I would think really hard about whether the message that you have um, is a book or is an article or it like the things that we have to say, you have to pick like what's going to be the best way to do this. So to have a book, that's a pretty, that's a lot of thought that has to go into a book and many, 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 many words, Um, maybe more words than you realize when you just think that would be so fun to write a book. Um, So I would try first to distill those thoughts into an article. Like if you can come up with a succinct article about it and it feels like too much, and then maybe it's a series of articles, and then maybe you have too much even for that, I would I would let it grow in that way. Um, I think it's easier. I think you could get some feedback along the way. Um, it doesn't feel so daunting. Um, I guess if you were writing a giant memoir, maybe that wouldn't work, but you could take a, you know, a section of your life and just write about that and what God taught you through that. Awesome. Well, maybe the most important question I've asked thus far, one that we try to hold back from our listeners because it's so important. Let's say that you were faced in a match against The Rock, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and you have to either physically hurt him or emotionally wound him. Perhaps he has to run away crying. It's one of those ways. What would be your game plan, either to physically 
wound him or to emotionally wound him. <laughs> any means possible, available. I just want to hear what your method of hurting Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be. Oh, it makes me, so I think I could, I would probably have better luck emotionally wounding him, but it makes me so sad to think about doing that. It would just, oh, maybe I would choose Not the sad card. Dwayne has done something to you, right? The rock has cooked something he shouldn't have cooked and you have to, you have to go at him. You have to defend your children or something. I, um, I think I, I still, I think I would maybe just try Like, could I use a weapon? Like something, could I throw anything, something? Okay. Anything possible. Yeah. Um, I think I would just maybe try and throw something at him. That's fair. <laughs> and tell him to stay away from then your I kids. Would, then I wouldn't be able to get too close to him because if I get anywhere within his arm's reach, I'm a goner. So it would have yeah. to be from a distance. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have plenty of time to think about this in the future in case this ever happens. That's but true. again, maybe the most important question. Uh, but seriously, Sarah, congratulations uh, on the book you've co-authored, Gospel Bound, available today, wherever books are sold. Thanks so much for your work. And I know that you continue to live at that intersection between this unchanging faith and these changing times. It's producing so much anxiety in all of us. So thanks for speaking into this uh, for our Right Side Up community over on Facebook and for our Right Side Up podcast. Uh, so grateful. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You too. You guys are doing a great job. 